Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. So welcome to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we have the afternoon to spend with you and talk a little baseball. Gorgeous afternoon out here at the ballpark. The White Sox and Royals will get started at 610 our pregame show starts at 5.35. James Shields and Ian Kennedy are the starters tonight. That's getting ahead of ourselves, though. we got a lot to do before we get up to the pregame show. The White Sox have won four in a row. After sweeping the Astros here at Guaranteed Rate Field, they took the first against the Royals last night and have shown you, I think it's been pretty interesting to watch. In a season where uh, what was going to happen was pretty well delineated from the front office and from the coaching staff, Players who were here at the beginning of the season knew that the veterans among them, the guys who had been around for a little while, may in fact be moved so that young talent could be brought into the organization and help spur a, a deeper and wider rebuild for the next coming years so that the White Sox could get themselves into consistent playoff contention and hopefully back to a World Series champion. Of course, knowing what was going to happen, what was also promised, or at least what was also part of this plan, is seeing some of the glimpses, seeing some of the young talent arrive at points during the season and impress. And I think over the last four ball games, the White Sox have shown you a couple of things to be impressed by. They've won four in a row. They have had some pretty solid play from some of the younger guys on this ball club. Some of the debuts from Yohan Mankata about uh, three weeks ago and, and even into a couple of uh, uh, big ball games here against the Astros and now against the Royals. Mankata and Delmonico and Lopez have added their names to this mix and, and shown White Sox fans that there's something to look forward to in a very real way. And, and while they're here, kind of enjoy them uh, announcing themselves to the big leagues too. Lots to do on the show this afternoon. Looking into some of the performances we've had, of course, we'll do the Farm Report like we always do. Farm Report's a fun one today because it's going to be augmented some uh, by comments from General Manager Rick Hahn about a number of players that he uh, that he's kind of evaluated over the course of the season. We'll look into some of the box scores and let you know how some of the young White Sox players down in the system have been doing. We will also talk to one of those uh, young men who just graduated into the White Sox 25-man roster Nikki Delmonico and I sat down in the dugout yesterday, had a little chat about life in the big leagues and what his first 12 games or so have been like at the major league level. He's certainly been on base in a handful of them. We'll do that a little bit later on in the show as well. A lot of fun facts uh, culminating from last night's game and and coming around from a couple others as well. Fun facts uh, about Delmonico, a couple from Ronaldo Lopez in his debut last night. Uh, and a couple about Adam Engel, too, who had himself a heck of a ball game. We'll also hear from Don Cooper. Coop had a conversation with uh, the White Sox beat in the dugout two days ago, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, two days ago, the day before Ronaldo Lopez came up and made his debut last night. So that would have been Thursday. I was down there for part of that conversation, for all that conversation, actually. And, and Coop started talking about Lopez a lot. And I think, you know, some of the conversation there and some of the reason we're going to uh, listen to that uh, that little conversation is is because of Lopez and because of what we saw last night. And believe me, we're going to get to talking about Reynaldo Lopez's White Sox debut in just a couple of seconds here. But Coop also talked a bit about the future and kind of the coaching aspect of an outlook 
of what's next for this White Sox franchise. And I got to tell you, you know, Coop looks toward the future with some wide eyes. Yeah, I think he's excited about some of these young players and, and some of the talent that the White Sox have in the organization and his ability, his uh, the, the future of, of getting his hands on it and shaping it, molding it some. Uh, he's had a chance to work with a number of guys in this last spring training, you know, guys like Michael Kopech and Lucas Giolito. Heck, I remember being out there and watching all those guys throw from the you know multiple mounds out on the backfields in Arizona and just kind of watching that all take place and, and form some. I, I, Coop talked a bit about that, and the, and the conversation was, was a good one, so we'll, we'll hear that as well. Um, and we'll also talk a bit about, you know, as much as some of the young guys have – you know, announced themselves to the big leagues, like we mentioned, and, and done well in some pressure spots. They've had their failings, too. That's what baseball is. It's about bouncing back from an offer or from a rough night. Next game comes for everybody, regardless of who you are. I think that's part of the beautiful part of baseball. Uh, and, and in some of those mistakes, in some of the failures, has come, I think, specifically in the last four days, some growth, some pretty real growth. And that's been fun to watch fun to watch happen and fun to watch get realized as well. Uh, a couple of things before we get into Ronaldo Lopez's work last night. Our phone number here on the show, 312-591-8900. You want to talk anything concerning the Chicago White Sox, what you've seen over the last four days, uh, maybe you're out in the parking lot tailgating, have the show on before you come in for a nice little Saturday evening ball game. Feel free to give us a call. Let, you know, let us know what you're talking about, uh, about these White Sox. Be fun conversation this afternoon. Uh, at C1 McKnight is the Twitter handle. You can hit us up on Twitter, as always. Leave your thoughts for us in the mailbag. That is the is the Twitter timeline. Just uh, hit us a note on there, and we'll read your tweets throughout the show. C1, the number one McKnight, is the Twitter handle. That's where you can find us there on the Twitter machine. Um, that's Okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the checklist for this afternoon. Let's get into Ronaldo Lopez's work last night. I was looking over, looking forward, rather, to seeing the first White Sox arm get called up this year. And I think because, in a, in a bit of a different way than I was looking forward to Yoan Mankata coming up. Not to say that people shouldn't have been, or, and I wasn't excited for Yoan Mankata. I absolutely was. But I also knew, given his work in the big leagues last year, the overall talent, the way the organization and coaches had talked about him, you knew that Yoan Mankata, barring an injury, was coming up to the big leagues at some point this season. It was a known quantity. And it was kind of more of waiting to see when that was going to happen. That was really the only surprise that was left for Yuan Mankata. And watching him hit the last handful of days, watching him get on base with the walks, watching him be real comfortable in deep counts has been a blast. Uh, he's certainly got areas of his game that's going to grow. But I think in a real way that the talent is is pretty obvious to anybody who's watching. Lopez for me was kind of different in that I, I was really looking forward to that class of arms down there in AAA Charlotte when the season started, when the White Sox broke camp and you know put Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Carson Fulmer all down at AAA. After all, three of them had okay springs. Yeah, Lopez probably the best spring. Carson Fulmer looked pretty good in spring too, if I recall. Lucas had been working a couple of things out, probably not his... Probably not the spring he'd wanted to have, but things have since ironed out down there in Charlotte. But as we kind of went through the season, and as Lucas G. Little kind of rounded some things together, threw himself a seven-inning no-hitter, 
Uh, Ronaldo Lopez started dropping the walks and even increasing the strikeouts some in his last two months. Carson Fulmer has has struggled a bit, but I, I think the what, what I was really excited for with in terms of these arms was finding out which one it was going to be that came up and made their White Sox debut as as a starter. I, I guess I, I know Lucas and. And Ronaldo had both worked for the Washington Nationals as a starter, and in Ronaldo Lopez's case, also out of the bullpen. Uh, and Carson Fulmer made his White Sox debut last season as a member of the bullpen. You know, looking forward to a point where one of these young men would come up and take a spot in the rotation. And, and you'll hear Don Cooper talk about this a little bit later on in the show, too. But, you know, Ronaldo knows now that. These starts are his. Every fifth day is his. Rick Hahn talked about this a lot um, for months leading up to Ronaldo's call-up that when they brought an arm up, it was going to be when they had a spot in the rotation every fifth day to go out there and pitch, knowing that this guy had the responsibility and the opportunity to go prove himself and show what he could do against Major League Hitting. It's Ronaldo Lopez who gets the spot first. He is, you know, really in a kind of a real way that first big call up on the pitching side of things. Tough to say that Yoan Mankata might not be um, the biggest call up of all. Uh, just so happens that his was first. But I think as you blend some of this young talent together and, and watch these debuts, uh, this one last night might stick out a little bit. He was electric, was Ronaldo. Control was, you know, a little weird in the first inning or two. Five strikeouts over six outs. He walked two batters, Eric Hosmer and Chesler Cuthbert. The walks are going to be there for Ronaldo Lopez, I think, especially in the next two months or so you know, as we round out the season. But you know, the fastball was dynamite. He located it for strikes. The curveball was nasty. He was able to get strikeouts with it, six of them in total, though he did not strike out a batter after the third inning. Logged his sixth and then kind of plugged away. Uh, got into a little bit of contact in the fourth. Mike Moustakas certainly got him for two home runs. One was a hanger. That went a long way. And, and I think, you know, when we talk about some of the failure in this league and some of the, you know, the ways that you're going to get shown, all right, you've got to adjust here. You've got to bring something better against uh, that kind of a hitter. Moustakas on the season with 33, 34 home runs. He had two last night, 34 in total. You know, you learn those lessons. And, and all things considered, I think it's important that in an outing that went as well as it did for Ronaldo, a team getting a win like they did, and, and really him limiting uh, any kind of contact and, and really serious damage. You hear a lot of pitchers say solo shots won't beat you all that often, um, and that's what they were for Mike Moustakis. He got out of a pretty good inning and got to learn a couple of lessons. He gets to hold his head high and know that he – uh, showed up against the Royals and, and pitched rather well and also gets to go look at some tape and say, okay, here's where I can be better. Here's where I get to go. Here's how I can go attack uh, those issues and become a better pitcher, and that's what these next two months are about for a lot of these young White Sox players. We're up to the break. Going to take a quick one, and when we come back, you'll hear a little bit from uh, Ricky Renteria. In case you missed it last night, he kind of went over the start Ronaldo had and uh, talked about the, the ups uh, talked about the home runs, talked about the, the impressive fastball that Ronaldo had out there, too. So we'll hear from uh, Ricky Renneria, the manager of the White Sox, in just a couple. Elvis night, by the way, is Friday, August 25th at Guaranteed Rate Field. You can join us in remembering the king of rock and roll as the Sox take on the Detroit Tigers at 7.10 p.m. Be sure to stay for the postgame fireworks show. Visit WhiteSox.com 
to get your tickets today. 312-591-8900. Certainly have time for your phone calls throughout the show. Want to know what you thought of Reynaldo Lopez last night? And, uh, you know, if you're if you're just geeked beyond all measure, go ahead and give us a call and you can scream into the receiver. We'll listen to that, too. 312-591-8900. When we come back, you'll hear from the manager of the White Sox, Ricky Renteria. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. And the 1-2 to Merrifield. That's strike three called. See you. That's what Lopez said to him. See you later. Cool, calm, and collected was Ed Farmer on that first strikeout from Ronaldo Lopez last night. And Ronaldo was was pretty cool, calm, and collected out there on the mound. I, I think one of the things – welcome back, by the way, to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. Uh, we're going through Ronaldo Lopez's White Sox debut last night. It was certainly fun to watch. White Sox – Took the win in that ball game, four in a row. They've beaten the Astros in three straight. Astros are a darn good baseball team, and these Royals, though they'd struggled in the you know late July and into August, uh, they've lost. If, in fact, I want to make sure I get this right. Two of uh, three of their last twelve. They've only won three of their last twelve ball games since the uh, since the trade deadline that saw them acquire Melky Cabrera from the White Sox. In fact, uh, but going back to Ronaldo Lopez, some. One of the things that kind of struck me in spring training uh, was uh, talking to a few people who, you know, had seen him pitch and scouted him and looked at him and all that kind of stuff. The mound presence he's got out there, you know, as a a rookie and and having that kind of fastball, we we saw it touch 99 last night. We saw it hit both sides of the plate to righties and lefties. It was good. Um, And I would imagine if you're throwing that kind of heat, you're more likely to have that kind of, you know, Impressive mound presence. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, you're dealing with that kind of arsenal. You're going to have a little bit of assuredness about you. But uh, for Lopez last night, even when he kind of got into a, a bit of an issue, uh, the home run to Mustakas and then Chesler Cuthbert went up the middle. I'll say Escobar hit a medium liner over the head of Tim Anderson. Didn't have a play on that one. So right away, three hits. Don Cooper's out to the mound to have a meeting. He gets Alex Gordon to fly out to center field. He gets Drew Butera to pop out to third, works through a clean fifth inning, comes back for the sixth, gets the first out. Melky uh, laser down the right field line to Jose Abreu, just popped right into the mid. Moustakas homered after a 2-0 count. And then he got Cuthbert and Escobar again to get out of the sixth and uh, and get himself a quality start. I, I thought it was fairly impressive. And I know Rick Renneria had, had mentioned a little bit of that in the postgame show last night. And in case you weren't able to stay up all the way with us last night or in case you uh, in case you were bouncing around, wanted to make sure that you heard from Ricky. This were his, uh, these were his comments on Ronaldo Lopez after his uh, White Sox debut last night. What were your uh, impressions of Ronaldo Lopez's first start out there for you guys? He's pretty good. I think you guys... You guys probably agree. A pretty good fastball. Obviously, his breaking ball was working very well. I know he left one up to Mustakas, but uh, threw the ball well. And I think it was a change up to Mustakas at the second time around. Um, but attacked uh, the strike zone. Obviously, got some strikeouts early. He looked comfortable, too. He didn't look very nervous, to be honest. He looked like he was in the in the right place. I mean, we even picked at second. Everything he did was um, very much under control. Not really. I mean, we were hoping that it would look that way. I mean, he's pitched in the big leagues, obviously, before. And uh, I think for him, 
I think just the fact that he's now with his new club um, and that he's here with us at the major league level now, uh, able to perform, and he looked very happy, obviously, to be here. What did you think about his pace out there? From, uh... I thought he worked uh, at a brisk pace. I didn't, you know, he's not a guy that he wants the ball, he gets signed, he wants to go to work. Uh, I thought his, his tempo was very good. So you're have to serve, I know he's a strikeout pitcher, but the pitch count kind of. Yeah. Well, that's what happens with strikeout pitchers. You know, they throw a lot of pitches. If you get a few pitches fouled off, and then they end up. <clears throat> he got a couple of first pitch outs, not very many. Uh, he's got swing and miss stuff. So that happens, you know. Um, that's typical of strikeout-type pitchers. They end up throwing a lot of pitches. So hopefully, I mean, he can have a, a mix, but however he can get us as many outs as he possibly can, every time he gets out there, that's what we're most concerned about. And obviously, we do watch the pitches that he's throwing, the number of pitches he's throwing. That's the manager, Ricky Renteria. He's actually down on the field throwing batting practice right now. I think that's Lurie Garcia in the cage with his group hitting right now. His, uh, I actually can't see his face. What with the cage over the top, but Lurie and Jose Abreu and Avi Garcia and, yeah, Lurie and Yolmer Sanchez all in a group hitting right now. Ricky, Ricky Renteria throwing BP. Uh, let's out, the, out to the phone lines real quick here. It's, uh, I believe, Dan in Elk Grove Village on the line. What's up, Dan? Hey, Connor. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you got it, I was really excited with what's going on in the last, you know, four or five games that I've watched. You know, I've been waiting on this for a long time. And uh, to see this young team sweep the Astros was just amazing. But, you know, I always take things with a grain of salt. And so I wanted to get uh, some insight from you. It's, um, you know, you could say that you know, that's just a, a sign of the talent of these young players. Or is there something unique to this matchup with the Astros? Can you give me any comment on that and on why they were able to sweat the Yeah, the sure, Dan. I'll go back through I'll go back through those games for you. I, I think for the most part what struck me is is this little stat. Well, I don't know if it technically qualifies as a stat. Maybe it's a, a fun stat, maybe it's a fun note, something like that. Uh, Miguel Gonzalez and Carlos Rodon went eight innings in back-to-back starts. That was game two and game three against the Astros. That is the first time this season that members of the White Sox rotation have, in back-to-back starts, completed eight innings. They pitched well. I mean, first and foremost, against the Astros, they got starting pitching efforts that were workable and nearly all three quality starts. Derek Holland, weird start there, and I think the Astros... Um, you know, you're, you're hearing some things from uh, from their front office. Well, not front office so much, but, you know, as they came up to the deadline, you had Dallas Keuchel kind of calling out the front office saying, we wanted moves, we wanted trades. And when you start saying that, I, I think perhaps even in a front runner, you, you maybe get on edge a little bit. So that might be a team that needs to reassess where they all are together. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to state anything that there's an impending collapse for the Houston Astros. Far from it. They're going to get Carlos Correa back in a matter of a couple weeks, and assuming he's healthy and ready to roll, that team is going to be just fine and make a playoff run. Where they end up in the playoffs, I, I can't necessarily say. You probably can make a really good argument that they should have gone out and fortified the starting pitching themselves. You know, that said, for the White Sox against that club in the last couple of days, for me it was the starting pitching. You get good enough out of Derek Holland and were able to put pressure on Dallas Keuchel early. 
though he did have a, 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 that changeup working, I, I think the fastball was hittable in that first game, if memory serves. And the White Sox jumped early and were able to play with a lead. I think that was important given the night that Derek Holland did seven walks in total. Miguel pitched out outstanding, just an outstanding game. And Carlos Rodon himself had a good one too, even though, even though, and I think for Carlos, it was kind of a fun yet tough start to watch. I don't think he had, you know, because he throws two sliders. He's got the nasty wipeout slider and he's got the one that's, a bit of a different break that he'll throw more so for strikes. I don't think he had the swing and miss slider working the way he wanted it to. Nine hits in total, four strikeouts, two runs they were earned. And for Carlos, I think he worked around not having everything he had had in the last couple of starts, and that was kind of fun to see too. Yeah, it was fun to watch. <laughs> it was. It was. Dan, appreciate the phone call, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was a it was a fun four game series to watch. This Royals one will be fun too. That's a ball club that uh, is still pushing for wild card spot. It's all bunched up there in the American League. A lot of teams with chances. Even the Royals with a, at a game under now. They were fifty seven and fifty seven coming in to this weekend series against the White Sox. Now one game under, uh, still close. They were a game out when last night's came down, and uh, you know still right there. It'll be an interesting way to end up this uh, this season. I, I think in the American League for sure, although the Astros are right there on top, uh, that kind of the rest of that uh, picture would be a fun one to figure out. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. You can join the show just like Dan did. Give that number a ring, or you can hit us on Twitter too, at C1McKnight is the Twitter handle. We'll scoot through those in the mailbag segment a little later on in the show. Do want to let you know before we get to the 4 o'clock news here that Sox fans, for the first time ever, the Chicago White Sox are offering a limited edition cancer ribbon White Sox cap. A portion of every cap sold will aid Chicago White Sox charities and Rush University Medical Center in supporting cancer research. Caps are available in the park or at the Chicago Sports Depot or online for a limited time. Visit chicagosportsdepot.com to purchase your hat today. When we come back, we'll hear from White Sox pitching coach Don Cooper, a bit on Ronaldo Lopez, who made his White Sox debut last night, and on kind of the state of and future of uh, White Sox pitching down there in the minors and, and heading into the uh, last two months of this season. You got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans, you can join us as the White Sox take on the Minnesota Twins on August 24th at 7.10 p.m., it's free T-shirt Thursday, and the first 10,000 fans will receive a Dick Allen Retro Tee presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Bring your business home to Bedford Park and win big. You can purchase your tickets today by visiting WhiteSox.com or by calling 866-SOX-GAME. We've been uh, talking quite a bit about Ronaldo Lopez's start last night, his White Sox debut. We talked a bit, too, about uh, the Astro series, the White Sox took three of three against the Astros and have won four in a row after winning last night's game against the Royals. They're here for another one. Nice to see Melky Cabrera down there on the uh, the first baseline talking to some of his former teammates. Kind of fun to see him. Sox fans gave him a big ovation last night in his first at bat, and rightfully so. You could tell he appreciated it. Uh, and when he went out to the field, too, there was a little tribute video up on the board um, Melky was batting four last night, so the video played in between the uh, the first uh, f- top and bottom of the first. 
He ended up getting in at bat in that first inning, but, you know, he scheduled in between. You never know if he's going to bat or not. So, you know, Melky, you know, did his he clapped to the fans and, and showed how much he appreciated being here. And I, I think for a lot of White Sox fans, and I heard this on, on post-game shows where and White Sox Weekly's past, and, and at Sox Fest and everything, I, I think people really did, as, as goofy as Melky is and as, as much fun as that is, I think people understood that he worked real hard uh, while he was here and, and has as a, as a pro all throughout. Um, and, and I think White Sox fans appreciated that. He appreciated White Sox fans for that, too. Uh, so, Melky out here, Royals and White Sox coming up in a little while. 535, we'll start the pregame show. Don Cooper, meanwhile, sat down prior to Ronaldo Lopez's start yesterday and talked a bit about the young man and about the, the reason I wanted to bring this to you is because is it, it does deal a lot with Ronaldo. And in case you don't know much about him or, you know, just saw him for the first time last night, I think Coop will give you some insight to what kind of guy he is, what kind of pitcher he is, what he's looking forward to doing uh, with Lopez the last, you know, two months or so of the season and with other arms in the system. It, it's kind of a, a wide-ranging conversation that encapsulates a lot of his hopes for a lot of these young arms. So I, I thought we'd bring it to you here on White Sox Weekly. It begins with Coop being asked exactly what his impressions of Ronaldo Lopez were in spring training. You know, looking back on his spring training, you could tell right away he had good stuff. He had three pitches, the fastball, curveball, and changeup. I enjoyed the conversations we had. We took I remember going into the film room with him, looking at stuff, talking about stuff. Uh, and now his time has come, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. You, uh, you talked about in spring training how you uh, helped him get the, uh, the cutter and made it a pitch that he was very comfortable with by the end. Uh, from what you've seen as far as film or what you've heard down there, has that become a big part of his arsenal? No. Uh, his fastball, curveball, changeup. That's his arsenal, and he can get the curveball to do a couple things and break a couple different ways. Uh, that's something we'll exp- we might explore later down the road again. Um, we're going to let him go out there and pitch with what, everything he did down there to earn, his, earn the call-up. Obviously, he's one of our top guys, and... He's going to be here in the process of him uh, being a starter full-time in the major leagues. He's about to begin tomorrow. How exciting is it for you and these guys? You personally, when these guys come up and you get to see them? Well, listen, it's always been fun to be part of a guy's first day in the big leagues, first win in the big leagues, first start in a White Sox uniform for guys. Um, We get a front-row seat to watch people, you know, realize their dream. Um, That's an awful, uh, that's a perk of the job. And usually it's younger guys. Now, he's played in the big leagues before, uh, but he's looking to solidify himself now for a long term down the road. So that's what we're building for. Nothing he could do um, the rest of the year is going to get us off him, you know, no matter what happens, uh, good or inconsistent, you know. And I don't know. I mean, I'm excited about that. Here's what I'm excited about. With all of the guys we traded, starting back with Chris Sale, all of the people that we've acquired, and there's more coming up. There's another draft coming up. Um, I'm excited about the names and the talent that I hear that we're accruing. Uh, somewhere down the road, um, we're going to be back. We're going to be back. Right now, uh, we're, for me, with the pitcher staff, it's opportunities the way I see it. You know, everybody that's up here in the bullpen, to a large, large degree, is here because of either injuries or trades. And it's an opportunity for them to show everybody. I would not have come up normally. So uh, 
I'm excited to see them going out there every night and trying to do the things that we're working on. And, and when they have a good outing, I said, yes, we, you grasp for the opportunity tonight. And if they don't, okay, didn't get it tonight, but there's going to be more. So it's us trying to do fact-finding and who, who, who's going to be here who, in the future for us next year. Um, and, you know, with all of the kids that are going to be coming up, whoever that may be, right? The first one, it's not the first one. Everybody up in the bullpen was in AAA. Um, like for Bummer, I'll say. Nothing he could do the rest of the year is going to get us off him. Uh, he's, he's one of the left-handed pitchers that we're probably going to have if he keeps doing what he's doing and keeps climbing on a staff for a while. Um, so it's the excitement of knowing that all of the things that happen in a rebuild, and some of them, you know, it's not fun rebuilding. You know, it's not fun with what we're doing here. We, we, we've got our work cut out every single night. Um, but when we win a couple games like we did the last two nights against the, the best record in American League Baseball, that kind of sustains us a little bit. It picks us up. But I, I'm excited for the future and, and what that's going to hold. Nobody in this organization has been through one. Um, so all of those names that we're picking up, the, 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 to, to get a, a, a former first-round pick for Dan Jennings, to get a prospect from Milwaukee for uh, Schwarzak, and all of the other trades that you know of, the, the, the trades we got from New York with Conley and Robbie, and you know all the rest of them. All of these people, we went from uh, a team that our, our minor league system wasn't rated that good, and now we've got a bunch of talent, people uh, who ever rate that is rating us up there with, with among the best. And who knows, there might even be some more trades. And certainly, like I said a minute ago, uh, the draft is coming up. So we're going to acquire more more people. You know, And all of the teams that, have, that are winning now, uh, they've lost for a long time before that. The team we're playing tonight. But what they did really well is they, they got draft picks and they, they, they hit on them, you know. Um, they made some trades. They're uh, Latin American academies. And, and ours is up and running now, and with uh, Adolfo, with Lou Robert, um, and uh, there's other names that are for, I'm forgetting right now. Uh, but so all of these things are kind of forming, coming together, and uh, I like the chances of what we're going to be doing somewhere in the near future, hopefully. What are some of the things that stood out in those talks with Ronaldo that you like hearing from a young pitcher? Well, you know, we talked to him about moving on the rubber a little bit, to be able to get down the way to righties and into lefties more consistently uh, because the way he was getting there from the spot on the rubber it wasn't the right the way we, we the right way um, you know it was more establishing a relationship because I knew he was going to be here I wanted to feel comfortable with him and I wanted him to feel comfortable with me um, and, and that was real that was that was it that, that's the things that stood out I mean I know I I have an interpreter there even though my Spanish is uh, a CSC and his English is a CSC, but I didn't want anything to slip through the cracks with my thoughts. I wanted him, him to know exactly where I was coming from and what I thought of him. And anytime he has questions or wants to know something, I want it to be clear from him. I, I don't want it to be moved. I even told him, I said, if you don't understand something I say, because sometimes I talk New York and sometimes I talk fast. I mean, ask me to run it by you again because this is stuff we want you to know. Another thing is, I mean, the foundation that Rick began to lay in spring training about who we're going to be going forward. And all year, I think if you've seen anything, uh, we, we play hard every game. And we play every game out to the end. And the guys have bought into that. And 
everything we do on the bench, everything we do before the game, it's teaching, it's learning. Because they, th- these guys are going to be around, and we'll, let's let's get to it now, and, and to well, maybe it'll pay off later for us. Um, you know, it, it's really player development at every level for us, even at the big league level. We're de- trying to develop these guys into the big leagues. I think it's the most important time in the organization for every player play, player development person, uh, because we've gotten all this talent. Now we've got to dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure everything's getting done. And that one, when he gets to the big leagues, we'll know it's because we did everything exactly the way it should be done. And I, and I know that's happening. And God forbid a guy doesn't. It's not because we didn't do this, that, or the other thing. Uh, and it's the same thing with the scouts. You know, the scouts that are going to acquire this talent, the scouts that are looking at the free agents. Um, you know, we want to be on with all of the the acquisitions as well as the future pickups. As far as uh, dealing with the young pitcher, you've had success with all ranges of pitchers, ages, everything else. But when you look at a guy like Lopez or any pitcher, do you have a vision for him, or does that take time to develop? Once I get to know a guy and see what he's doing, then I start having visions, and I think about, okay, what might we add? Is there anything we could add? Um, is there anything we need to put on the back burner? Is there anything in the delivery we need to attend to? Um, it really it comes down to how can we put any individual guy on the path of him being as good as can be, which is maximizing his God-given ability, whatever stuff he possesses. That's God-given ability, physical, and maximize the command of that physical. You know what I mean? Because that's when you can maximize the gifts you've been given, and everybody in the big league's got gifts, you wouldn't be here. you got your gifts in certain areas. Uh, we're also looking to see what a guy does well, what we might think uh, are weaknesses or areas that we need to improve on, and try to put the whole picture together because we want the guy to have the career he's been looking for. You know, nothing pleases us more when, when people succeed. Um, and maybe we, maybe because of the plan and how much we think about him, how much we work on that, it might be a, you know a little bit. We may help him a little bit and get there. Uh, we want all that career. Listen, they, everybody had a dream to get here, you know. So like I said a minute ago, when they first arrived for the first time, they're reaching a dream. But in that dream, they weren't getting sent out two nights later, you know. So we've got to come up with ways. How do we, how do we get the most out of each guy? And that's not only now; it's every year that changes. All right, like even when we had guys in the past, like a Quintana or a Sale, we're looking exactly what he did during that season. Okay, where are the areas we might improve? It might come down to, you know, hey, more first pitch strikes or a higher percentage of fastballs, curveballs, sliders, and strikes. It might be it's small stuff, but the small stuff, you know, you put enough small things together, it adds up and it can be bigger. Uh, but listen, I, I want, I want to, I want to see this whole thing through. Um, we're going through some some hard knock times at times with the rebuild, but uh, the, again, the excitement is is taking over for me about what the future may hold. Like I, I have, I've thought a little bit about next year's spring training, you know. And guys, there, yeah, Hass and I today are are starting to compile files on each guy. Rodon, what are we talking about? What are we working on? What's first, second, third, fourth on his list of to-do things? Uh, you know, when they come to the park every day, if they know those things, you know, I don't know. I'm into making best use of, of their time and our time. Um, if, if, if a player knows when he comes to the park what he's being asked to improve on or what he's being challenged to improve on, then it's practice. 
if a player comes to the park and doesn't know what he's working on or trying to get better, it's activity. And, heck, we could run in place for 20 minutes and get the same thing done. Um, and this is every single guy uh, because, again, it's an important time when we're trying to stay on top of everything we need to stay on top of. Um, that's that's kind of it. In all those uh, results the last, like, two months really have taken been outstanding. Is there anything you've seen him doing? Who now? Ronaldo. Uh, I haven't seen him doing it. Uh, like but, on video. That's uh, I, we, we, I know he's got good stuff. He's good at all. I would expect him to do well. Um, when you get, when you listen, when you can throw the ball 95 to 99 miles an hour with a good curve and a good changeup, you know you should you, you should be good. He's had to wait his time, and now his time has come. Um, I, I I certainly talk on a regular basis with uh, Steve McCadden, the AAA coach, and other coaches. Uh, and we certainly watch every day. We got the reports coming in every day. We know, we know for what Ronaldo Lopez is doing. We know what uh, Flores is doing down in Haye. We know what Lambert's doing down there. You know, we know about uh, what Cease is doing. You know, and uh, I can't wait to tell you the truth to see all these guys in person, live and in person, and and watching them throw. You know, we get to, I, I, you know, I, that's what we do for a living. And we watch guys throw. I watch guys pitch, you know, whether it be sidelines or games. And then we go every day, and the next day we're looking at every single pitch all over again. Sometimes that's hard, you know, when you have a real tough game, it's like watching a bad movie twice. But you got to watch it. you got to look at it and say, oh, what's he doing? Where, where, where might we improve? That is White Sox pitching coach Don Cooper. And you can hear the excitement that he's got even thinking about next year's spring training, thinking about some of the young men that are in this organization now and, you know, he mentioned it too, young men that will join this organization. You know, Rick Hahn talked about it some. Next year's draft will be big. The White Sox at this point figure to have a, a top five pick perhaps, maybe even higher than that. And it just is the reality of the situation. At that point in this coming draft, there could be some high-impact talent. And in order to get some of that, you got to have a top pick. Actually, Saab, one of the young men, a couple of the young men in the uh, – Double Duty Classic here just a couple of weeks ago that may, in fact, be going all uh, pretty high. Jared Kalanick was was here and playing ball at Guaranteed Rate Field. would be interesting to see if uh, that's a guy who plays a little bit more here at this ballpark in the coming years. Uh, MLB.TV, every night, every device. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live. Plus, get a free subscription to At-Bat Premium, the number one app. For live baseball. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. we got to hit the break, and when we come back, we've got more to do. Nikki Delmonico is going to join the show right after the 4.30 news. We'll talk to the newest White Sox position player. It keeps changing. A lot of call-ups throughout and probably more to come in September. But Nikki Delmonico is going to join the show uh, right about 4.35. Keep it right here. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. Right after the 4.30 news, you're going to hear from Nikki Delmonico. He and I sat down in the White Sox dugout yesterday, had a nice little chat. You will hear that in just a couple. Here are a few fun facts from last night's game. White Sox won four in a row, beating the Royals 6-3. to three. We'll give you the fun fact against uh, about rather Adam Engel. He had two triples in the ballgame. He is the first White Sox player since... Alejandro de Aza in 2011 to triple twice in a game. He is the first White Sox rookie to triple twice in a game since Pete Ward 
1963. Pete did that April 11th, 1963, against the Angels. And at 25 years, 245 days old, I didn't count them myself, MLB Stats did. 25 years, 245 days old, makes Adam Engel the youngest White Sox player with two triples in a game since Sammy Sosa did it July 11th, 1990. Sosa was 21 years, 241 days old. We count everything in baseball, even the, even your uh, your exact age, down to the very last ring. Uh, when we come back after the news, Nicky Delmonico is going to join the show. I've got a fun fact about him as well. We'll bring that back to you. When we come back from the 4.30 News, you've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. See why millions of professionals choose DeWalt. From their rich history and proven performance to their focus on innovation and technology, DeWalt tools are guaranteed tough, designed to withstand the toughest job site conditions. Whether you're a construction professional, woodworker, mechanic, plumber, carpenter, or electrician, you'll find a DeWalt tool that meets your needs. DeWalt the official tools of the Chicago White Sox. We are Wintrust, proud sponsor of your Chicago White Sox. We know how you feel about your team. You remember the first time you saw the exploding scoreboard, and you still get a thrill when the pinwheels and fireworks light up the sky. Now, we offer another way to show your team pride. With our White Sox checking account and debit card, every purchase will have you singing, Go, Go, White Sox. Find out more at Wintrust.com slash Sox. Banking services provided by Wintrust Community Banks. Chicago White Sox trademarks used with permission. Members of DIC. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow and i give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose for a limited time go to mypillow.com or call 800-480-1941 and use promo code wls to take advantage of 50 percent off my pillows four-pack special and now when you order your my pillows mike's going to give you free shipping call 800-480-1941 or go to mypillow.com and use promo code wls What's the boat ride situation in Chicago? We'll find out coming up Monday at 11.35 a.m. Sarat and Marciano, WLSAM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLSAM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and you can join us for Star Wars Night on Saturday, August 26th, as the White Sox take on the Tigers at 6.10 p.m. First 15,000 in attendance will take home a White Sox Stormtrooper bobblehead Plus, stick around for a post-game fireworks show presented by the Magellan Corporation. Purchase tickets today by visiting WhiteSox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. Uh, been teasing it for a while. Nikki Delmonico going to join us in just a minute or so. I sat down with Nikki yesterday in the White Sox dugout, talked a bit about his uh, success as a call-up for the White Sox here over the last handful. In fact... Here's your fun fact. We gave you the Adam Engel fun fact just before we hit the 4.30 news. Here's your Nikki Delmonico fun fact. Delmonico reached on an infield single last night. Wasn't pretty. Got it off the end of the bat. But he reached. And that matters because he becomes the very first White Sox player to reach base safely 
in each of his first 10 career games since Larry Rosenthal in 1936. Uh, what's even more fun, uh, Fabian Ardaya wrote this at MLB.com, too. Uh, the hit probability on Delmonico's squibber down to third, uh, 11%. That's right, 11%. Didn't have much of a chance, but Delmonico was uh, beating it down the first baseline and got himself on board. Mel Simmons, the guy to do it before Larry did in 1931, so going all the way back to 1913, those are the three White Sox players that have done it, reached base safely in their first 10 Mel Simmons in 31, Larry Rosenthal in 36, and Nicky Delmonico in 17, 2017. I sat down with Delmonico yesterday in the White Sox dugout, and a good conversation with him about you know seeing some of his. He's been in this organization for a little bit, knows a lot of these guys that are coming up, and you know yesterday he was about ready to watch a guy that he played defense behind and Ronaldo Lopez make his White Sox debut. So I asked. You know, what it was in his head, what it kind of felt like to have all these guys coming up and in different ways and in pretty real ways, you know, realizing what is a, a dream of a young ball player. It's not only special for me, but it's special to see that with, you know, all of us because um, it's a goal that, you know, we've been working for a long time and to be able to do it and do it together is special. I'm sure you guys talked about what it would be like when this all happened. Yeah. Is, does it feel like you thought it would? No, no, it feels so much better, <laughs> so much better. I guess it makes sense. I mean, you talk about being a big leaguer for as long as what, since you're probably 12? I mean, you played on... Since, uh, I mean, to be honest, since you're little. Yeah. You're always, you know, out in the backyard saying, you know, oh, I'm Ken Griffey Jr. This. Delmonico up. Yeah. Bases loaded. Yeah. Yeah. So you were Griffey? Uh, Griffey, just because I was left-handed. And, that, you know, it was the, the sweetest swing. Yeah. Ever so, uh, of course, sense. you had to go with it. Makes sense. Yeah. So, did you grow up uh, a fan of your uh, Knoxville guy, Tennessee guy? Where do your baseball loyalties as a kid lie growing up? Where, uh, I where grew does a guy up, like that? Um, you know, Tennessee baseball. My dad was the head coach for 18 years. Right. So, um, I was at the field, you know, as much as he was, I felt like, um, on the road. Um, my teachers would have my homework ready on uh, for Friday because I wasn't going to school. I was traveling with my dad's team. So uh, growing up, Tennessee baseball was, you know, a big thing for me. Did you have a big league club when you were a kid? Uh, I kind of liked, you know, um, the Braves growing up since sure. they're the closest. Uh, I'm a pretty big Braves fan. And then, uh, you know, I always liked watching the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. So, um, But overall, I just had, you know, mainly just fans of people. Um, you know, big Jeter Frank, uh, fan growing up and, uh, you know, just loved watching the game. So because you grew up as close to the game and as, as your family is so much of a part of the game as, as you were, do you think that, you know, Ricky Renneria talks about you having the it factor and uh, Team USA named you their first captain uh, in, in that team's history. Does, do you think that has something to do with the bloodlines? I think so, um, you know, because ever since I can remember, I was in the dugout um, watching, you know, players do the, you know, things the right way and the things the wrong way. And, uh, you know, I kind of picked up on that. And um, I think that was huge for me. I had two older brothers, too, so I got to learn from them also. And, uh, you know, just learning from my dad and uh, the players that he had. So you watched a bunch of Red Sox-Yankees games. Mm -hmm. You get your first dinger in Fenway. Yeah. Electric? Well, what was special is the last time I was in Fenway was, I think, 03. The White Sox were playing the Red Sox. And um, I was there with my brother and my dad. And my first game back there, I was playing in there, and that's the one I hit the home run in front of my brother. My brother was there, too. And 
I think that was pretty special to, to do that. So, you know, the, the power is so much a big part of the game right now, but we've seen, and Ed and DJ on the radio broadcast have mentioned it a couple of times, you've dropped down bunts when the shift gives them to you. How long have you been doing that? How much do the White Sox coach that? Um, well, down in the farm system in Charlotte, um, we would do it at least once a week with the machine work on beating the shift. And I'll tell you, as a hitter, when you hit the ball hard into the hole and it should be a hit, you know, you start thinking, okay, you know, I should bunt maybe, you know, open up that hole. So for me, if, you know, it's over there and, um, you know, two things, it's a free knock and, you know, it's something to get, you know, an inning going and uh, get something going. When when you have a defense that's lined up like that early on in your career like this, I, I know you don't have anything to compare to later on the lo- down the line, but did it surprise you some that, you know, a guy with 20, 30 major league at-bats at best when you dropped this last one down has a shift like that on him? Yeah, it's um, – it's kind of funny because right off the bat, what happened is I hit a few balls in the hole. Right. So within, you know, two or three at-bats later, they start shifting me. And for me to get that hole back open, the only way to do it is to show them that you can bunt and lay it down. And then, you know, naturally they went back to the, you know, their old positions. So. We, we talk about this game being a game of adjustments. Did you think that it would be so dynamic that the adjustments would happen within at-bats like that? Uh, kind of, um, you know. Everybody here, they do matchups right away. They don't mess around. They go to the pen. So um, my first couple of games here, I felt like, you know, it's more of adjustments like you were saying right off the bat. They don't wait around. They, you know, everybody has a scouting report. So, um, you know, the only way to open it up is to lay a bunt down on them. Do you, how do you like to deal with the information that you can get at this level? I mean, I, I'm sure at AAA you get a ton of stuff. Here you're going to get pitching reports and advanced scouting and stuff. Do you like to have as much of it as you can find? Do you go look for certain pieces on matchups? How well, do you like to absorb it? What I like is the video. It's, you know I mean, and we got a lot of stuff. Um, I don't like to look too much into it. Um, I just like to see how he pitches, what he does, um, what are his strengths, and then kind of, you know, take that into my game plan. Do you think that by knowing a guy's strength, you know if you're 2 or maybe you've got him on the rope some, you know what he's coming with? Like yeah, that and that's the biggest thing. In a, not so you sit on a pitch, sure. but you just you know you kind of have a better game plan of what is he trying to do and uh, what am I trying to do to um, to have the most success for me. How's DHing? Uh, good. I like it. Um, you know, I'm kind of loose as it is. Yeah. Um, I'm very good at, for me, as in flushing it and at bat and kind of getting over it. Um, a lot of people need defense to kind of flush it out. Um, but, you know, I like it. I stay loose. I go in the cage and, uh, um, you know, I, I kind of have my own r- routine when I DH, so that kind of helps. Um, you got to imagine that, you know, at some point you're going to be playing a little bit of corner stuff, whether it be third, whether it be first. Come up mostly as a third baseman. How comfortable are you going on the other side? Uh, I mean, I played first. Um, first time I played first was with Team USA, so I got to learn it in high school. Um, played third, short on high school as well. So, uh, and in the minor leagues, it's kind of been back and forth. Um, so, if I get thrown over there at any time, I feel comfortable. Um, and for me, that's you know one of the biggest things is being comfortable with it. So, because you grew up so close to the game, I, what do you do to get away from the game? Are there things that you can do to unplug and kind of uh, release a little bit, like midseason? Uh, yeah, let's say, let's say, God forbid, somebody gets an O for tonight and it's a rough one. How do you go, you know, unplug? Um, well, to be honest, you gotta as soon as you walk into the clubhouse and. Um, you got to be able to flush it. You got to, like, before I eat, before I, you know, shower, 
um, it's kind of you got to clock out. Yeah. And then also when you go home that night, I like to you know find a TV show and you know get you laughing at least. Uh, I try to stay with the comedies. Sure. Sure. So it kind of gets you away, and then you know you wake up and you have your breakfast and you go throughout your day as if uh, yesterday was nothing. Even if you go four for four, I feel like you still have to have something where you can't get too high or too low. Uh, what are you binging right now then on Netflix? Uh, so I just got done with The 100. Sure. Yeah. Uh, got done with Shooter. Um, and uh, right now I'm... Mickey, those aren't comedies though. Uh, yeah, but uh, right now I just picked up Shameless. Okay. Is, okay. Well, it's local stuff. Yeah. That's this side of yeah. town. So uh, it's comedy and yeah, you're right. Uh, I know that uh, we've actually talked about that show on the show, Shameless, on White Sox Weekly a couple of times. It's uh, It paints a picture. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I mean, it, I'm, I think on uh, episode four right now. Okay. And All right. Well, we won't get any spoilers. Yeah. Don't. You'll enjoy it. I promise. Yeah. Nicky, really appreciate you sitting down. Thanks. All right. Good to get it. night. Thank you. Not sure if Nikki finished uh, episode five of Shameless on uh, Netflix last night, but uh, he did get himself a hit, so I would imagine there was some sort of celebration after the ball game. I don't know if that's celebration or if that's just kind of unplugging. I guess that's kind of unclear. We'll have to go back and talk to Nikki some about the uh, the Netflix habits of one Nikki Delmonico. A um, couple of things to do when we turn it around after the break here. Uh, an update on Matt Davidson from the manager, Ricky Renteria. Uh, the White Sox have made a trade yesterday as well as promoting Ronaldo Lopez to AAA, from AAA into the big leagues. So we'll get you posted on that. Our farm report is on the way. We'll probably start that at 5 o'clock or so. So here's what you uh, can do on the show for the rest of the way. Give us a call, 312-591-8900. If you've got a, a White Sox prospect that you want to hear about and how he's been doing down in the minor leagues over the last couple of days, uh, feel free. You can drop us the note on Twitter at C1 McKnight, and we'll you know go through that guy's line and let you know how he's been hitting or pitching over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we'll hit the big ones, that's for sure. You'll hear actually Rick Hahn talk a bit about Eloy Jimenez and Michael Kopak during our farm report. But up next, uh, some news and notes, so to speak, from the White Sox and, uh, and elsewhere around baseball. A couple of things shaking this afternoon, so keep it right here. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight hanging out with you until the start of the pregame show at 535. Then I'll just be doing the pregame show with you at 535 up until we start our game. 610 is first pitch. It'll be James Shields and Ian Kennedy on the mound. DJ will have lineups for you in his portion of the pregame ceremonies, but Nicky Delmonico's back in the lineup. He's batting five and DHing. Yolmer Sanchez is at third. Tim Anderson at short. Adam Engel is in center field. And I was just, can I release that information, DJ? Out there to everybody? Yeah, I think I can. Uh, Adam Engel told DJ that uh, 6 3 was his fastest 60 time ever. 6 3, his fastest 60, second, uh, 60 yard dash. Just got that from DJ up here in the booth. He's hanging out for a little while. You can join us at Guaranteed Rate Field as the White Sox take on the Tampa Bay Rays on Saturday, September 2nd. The first 20,000 fans will receive a Mark Burley bobblehead presented by Toyota. Visit WhiteSox.com to purchase your tickets today or by calling 866-SOX-GAME. So that's one uh, little piece of news and note out of the way. Adam Engel, fastest 60-yard dash, a 6.3. That is quite fast. Engel with two 
count them, two triples last night. And we gave you the fun facts around those a little earlier in the show. One note from uh, Ricky Renteria uh, earlier this afternoon. He was telling White Sox beat reporters that Matt Davidson felt soreness again in his wrist when he tried to swing today. So they're going to back down on, on the activity until things start to calm down. And he feels a little bit more comfortable, much more comfortable and pain-free, I suppose, uh, probably the wait until Matt Davidson gets back into swinging in the cage. Matt yesterday talked with him a little bit, and he seemed pretty hopeful, relatively hopeful, that uh, that first game against the Dodgers Tuesday. White Sox have one more against the Royals here, the off day Monday, and then they're in L.A. to face the Dodgers for a pair starting Tuesday and Wednesday. So it looks like Davidson, though he was targeting that two-game series to get back, is going to have to wait a little while longer. And instead, you would imagine that that opens up more bats for a guy like Nicky Delmonico, who's been on base in each of his first 10 ball games. Ricky has mentioned, too, that it's nice to have a lefty, uh, just a pure lefty in the lineup that can spot around to a couple of different positions, be it DH or uh, left field or perhaps third or first, or maybe even a little bit of right, though I think those... Uh, the other position is probably much more comfortable for Delmonico uh, in early on in his in his career. A couple of notes as well: the uh, the White Sox made a trade yesterday. They picked up Ryan Burr from the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for international signing bonus pool money. Uh, Burr is 23 years old, had a 1.89 ERA over 57 innings down at uh, Class A Kane County and Class A Visalia. That's high A and low A in the Diamondbacks organization. He'd struck out 75 and 57. I may have said that. Had five saves as well. Big guy, too, 6'4", 230. He's uh, averaging 11.8 strikeouts per nine. Big-time strikeout guys from Colorado. He went to Arizona State and is the all-time saves leader at Arizona State. So he's an arm that has been a bullpen guy for most of his you know, collegiate career and now into his professional career. Uh, actually got a scouting report on Burr for you as well. It's from uh, somebody who's seen him pitch and pitch for a while. Fastball slider change. Sits in the mid-90s. Can top out right around 95, 96. Though I have heard some that uh, maybe he might have a little bit more velocity than that. Perhaps he's uh, looking to control and command things a little bit better. Had 38 saves at ASU, and uh, the other path of the scouting report is that when uh, Ryan is able to keep things you know, together and calm and he's in command, he is absolutely dominant. So be interesting to see if a guy in Ryan Burr, who has had a yeah, reliever's pedigree, I guess, is able to be one of the, uh, the quick-rising relief prospects that we've seen throughout the league in the last couple of years. I, I think it's interesting to watch, you know, as, as – the big-time pitching prospects come up and through, we're so used to, or at least I am, so used to bullpen aces. Maybe not necessarily closers, but, you know, guys like Wade Davis or guys like Zat Britton or even going back, you know, farther and farther in time, further and further in time, a guy like Dennis Eckersley who was switched into the bullpen or John Smoltz who, and I know that's a little different because of injury, but switched into the bullpen some. You know, we, we think of starters who kind of, move into that role and, and rise to positions of, of extreme dominance. But there are, you know, guys who come up who have been relievers for a while who have that pedigree that make impact and can rise pretty quickly. So at 23, 
a guy who's got experience at Arizona State, some pretty good collegiate competition, perhaps. Uh, he's a guy who might uh, you know, p- be pitching at a level where his experience kind of overtakes and his stuff might dominate some, and, and maybe he's got a chance to uh, make a couple of promotions in 2018's season and uh, rise through the level. Ryan Burr, uh, one of the uh, newest White Sox arms in that stable of White Sox talent. Speaking of, uh, we will, after the 5 o'clock news, go through the farm report a little bit. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn spoke a couple of days ago about the impending call-up of Ronaldo Lopez, and that was the bulk of the conversation. But he was also asked uh, a couple of things about some of, the pro- some of the other prospects, and I want to highlight those guys, not that they've not been highlighted before, uh, both on the show and elsewhere, you know, maybe places like MLB Network and you know, national outlets. Michael Kopech and Eloy Jimenez are making a lot of noise in the White Sox farm organization, and they have been taken note of. So we figured we'd hear from the general manager about those two guys and the seasons they've had and go through the rest of the farm system as well. If you want to chime in, you're more than welcome to. 312-591-8900. Give us a phone call and let us know who you want to know a little bit more about in the White Sox farm system. Or you can drop us a note on Twitter, too, at C1McKnight is the Twitter handle, and that's how you can join us there. We're going to pause it real quick. 5 o'clock news is next, and we'll be back with more here on White Sox Weekly. You've got WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. We are at the Farm Report section of the show. We'll start the pregame show in about half an hour or so. White Sox and Royals getting ready to go here. James Shields and Ian Kennedy, the starters. But down on the farm, we've had uh, we've had some stuff going on that's definitely worth talking about. And and I think some of it starts some of it starts with the pitching and Ronaldo Lopez coming up yesterday. You know he had been uh, so good at, down at AAA Charlotte over the last two months or so, uh, and now working out the rest of that rotation down at AAA will be interesting. Chris Volstad has the start today for the Charlotte Knights. They beat the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs five to two yesterday. Rob Brantley was not exactly a prospect, but he was three for four with uh, two home runs, so that was fairly interesting. It's it's been a good go for Lucas Giolito over the last little bit. There have been hiccups, and there have been hiccups for um, for Carson Fulmer as well. Uh, but I think, by and large, when you look at where things were for Giolito and, and how coaches have kind of talked about, you know, guys like Don Cooper reworking the delivery and letting him get back to the things that he had been doing. Uh, going into the Nationals after being drafted, after recovering from a, a Tommy John, and then coming back. I think you can kind of understand. He ranks second in shutouts. He's got two, fifth in strikeouts in the International League, 127. Uh, nice to see that kind of season kind of come together for Lucas Giolito. Down at double-A, Michael Kopech has been absolutely fantastic. He'll start today, in fact, at double-A for Kannapolis. Kopech, too, was a, a subject of conversation with Rick Hahn and, uh, and some of the reporters a couple of days ago. Wanted you to hear what, what Kopech, or what Hahn had to say about Kopech and kind of how he's evaluated his season this year. He leads the uh, league in psych- strikeouts, the Southern League, with 145 strikeouts in total. He's gotten deeper into ball games uh, more regularly as well. And I think for Kopech, too, what's been impressive is the, the walks dropping down some. You know, he's 
not walked over two batters since July 4th in his start. Each one of those starts has gone more than six. He got tuned up a little bit toward the end of June and early July. Three innings and then three and a third, giving up five and four, walking a handful, strikeouts. He got hit around a little bit. But since July 14th, six innings, one earned run. Eight innings, shutout. Six innings, one earned run. Seven innings, one earned run. Seven innings, no earned runs. Shutout ball. Double-digit strikeouts in two of those five starts. Eight and eight in there as well. He's, he's been very, very good. And I, I think Kopech um, might be one of the best young arms, one of the best young pitching prospects in baseball. I, I think you look around at organizations like MLB Pipeline who have ranked the White Sox the best farm system in baseball here at the break midseason. I believe Baseball America did the same. Uh, Yahoo Sports, uh, with with their rankings coming out just uh, earlier this week, have the White Sox top, and a lot of them uh, say that Michael Kopech is a big reason why. Here's what the general manager, Rick Hahn, had to say about Kopech a couple of days ago. Again, when we started this year, the every player obviously comes with an individual development plan and goals for the season, and I'd say the two most important for Michael were, first and foremost, taking the ball every fifth day for the course of an entire season, which was not it was something that he had not done. The second one was being able to respond to the challenge of being 20, 20, 21 years old and pitching in the Southern League, which is an advanced placement. He's passed both of those, knock on wood, with flying colors. And as you pointed out, over the last several starts, even though he's been past his career high in terms of innings pitch, he actually seems to be pitching even better. He's gotten greater command of the fastball. Uh, the slider's obviously a, a plus pitch, and he's trusting the changeup more. So he's checking off boxes that were even a little bit lower in terms of reasonable expectations for his season. Uh, that said, if he just continues to take the ball every fifth day and finishes through August strong, I, I will view it as a very successful season for Michael. In fact, you probably already can call it a very successful season for Michael. In a perfect world, every one of these prospects would pan out to be all-stars. But I like that. It, yeah, it, it doesn't happen. So every time one of these guys come up, you kind of hold your breath and go, yeah, hope this, hope this works out? I, uh, it's not so much holding the breath and hoping it works out. It's more wanting to make sure that people understand that how one individual player performs is not a mandate on how the entire process is going. Obviously, we think the world of Moncada. We think he's going to be a truly fine impact talent in this game for a long time. That said, how he does in his first 100 plate appearances doesn't dictate one type of player he's going to be long term and certainly doesn't indicate how well this rebuild, so to speak, is going. Uh, He is one piece of what we hope to be many that we already have under control in the organization, and we're aware of the fact that we're likely going to have to go outside the organization to augment whichever group grows together to be that type of impact player. Uh, So, again, it's not living plate appearance to plate appearance about one individual guy. It's about how it all comes together as a group, and, and candidly, we're not going to know that for for several months, if not years, until this group all comes together. It's White Sox general manager Rick Hahn a bit on Kopech, and then some you know words about prospect development too. I think you know it's something we're going to say a lot here over the next couple of years, probably more than you care to hear. But I think it's important to say prospect development, player development, not just at the minor league level, but even at the major league level, it's not linear. It just it can be in fits and spurts and jumps and setbacks. It, that's the way people are, and people are, vast majority of them, uh, baseball players are people. Uh, so you're going to have some ups and downs in a, in a guy's career. Um, and I think as we watch 
some of these ball players here at the big league level. I mean, it's it's almost easy to forget how many of these young players who are big parts of this, Avi Garcia, Lurie Garcia, Yolmer Sanchez, Tyler Saladino, you know, guys like that, Tim Anderson, are still young players in their own right. You know, yeah, they kind of feels like Yolmer has been around for quite some time, and certainly Avi has, you know, is one of the more tenured guys on this team, but there are still you know, areas for them to improve in just having reps at a big league level. That's getting away from the, the farm report, as it were, for uh, this segment. But, I, I you know, as, as Rick kind of mentioned that, I thought maybe worth hitting that a time or two. Eloy Jimenez is another one of those top prospects that has the White Sox ranked number one uh, as the number one farm system in all of baseball by many, many outlets. Eloy, since... Coming over to the White Sox organization since that trade has hit 368. He has hit six home runs. He has an on base percentage of 439 and a slugging percentage of 695. His OPS total is over 1,000. It's 1.134. He's just been dynamite, absolutely dynamite for the Winston-Salem Dash. And as to Eloy's development and what may be next and, and just kind of taking a look at his, at the season as a whole, and the man, the young man that he is, uh, is, again, general manager Rick Hahn. He's been great. That He's been he's performed extremely well uh, in the last few weeks since we had him. Uh, I think the way he's exceeded our expectations, perhaps, is just as the type of person he is and the work ethic and how he gets along with his teammates and always smiling and a happy guy and, and a, a guy who uh, wants to do everything in his power to maximize his talents, which obviously are considerable. You get what you can from as a scout from outside when you're dealing with a player from outside your organization, but it's not until you have him that you really get to see how hard he truly works on a daily basis and how that personality fits in the clubhouse. We did have high marks in terms of makeup on, on Eloy, but I think he's even surpassed those in the last few weeks. Uh, he has extended, Eloy has, not Rick, his hitting streak to 10 games with a double last night. He's got 11 of those total with the Winston-Salem dash. Zach Collins was one for three with a home run and a walk for Winston-Salem tonight. It is Dane Dunning pitching against Lynchburg. Dunning has been really good, too, since moving up to Winston-Salem. I think you'll remember he was tearing through Kannapolis and... Dunning was one of those guys, uh, we've mentioned it before, but in talking with Nick Hostetler, the director of scouting here for the White Sox, Dunning is one of those guys who was just kind of buried on a ridiculously deep University of Florida pitching staff um, and, and was you know kind of a bullpen guy and had a couple of starts here and there. I shouldn't say just a couple. I mean, he did start a number of ballgames, but you know was also used out of the bullpen. And for Dunning, who had been acquired in the Adam Eaton trade, Boy, the White Sox certainly saw a potential starter there. And after he rolled through Kannapolis in a handful of starts, moved up to Winston-Salem, had an issue or two, let uh, perhaps his emotions and anger get the best of him, seemed to have worked that out, and some issues, uh, some command issues too. And has really established, well, he ranks a fifth in ERA, 3.33 in the Carolina League, and seventh in WHIP, walks, hits per innings pitched, 1.27. Dunning's been real good with his uh, control and command since then. Uh, Yasmer Solorazano is going to pitch for Canapolis tonight. Micker Adolfo has had a real good run. Forget how, oh boy, talk about players who feel like they've been around forever but are still 
remarkably young. Adolfo still 20. Third in home runs in the South Atlantic League. 67 RBI, also third. Fourth in total bases, 188. Fifth in doubles at 27. Mick Rodolfo really coming into his own. And I, I don't know... I don't know that I saw it in spring training. I, I think, you know, guys were talking about it some, and, and certainly the, the reports were still high on Adolfo, but I, I just don't think I saw him in enough games. He got into a couple of Cactus League games, and I saw him in a few backfields, but just uh, a guy that was – and some of these ballplayers, some guys are like this. It's just kind of tough to find those games, the B games that they're in on, on backfields and whatnot. But for Adolfo, he has certainly made his season a noticeable one. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see. Hitting 279 overall, a 343 on base, a 481 slugging percentage for Adolfo at uh, Kannapolis. Be really interesting to see where he's at in this coming spring training. I, I think for a lot of reasons. And Rick Hahn kind of mentioned this too, talking about uh, Luis Robert, who is injured right now in the White Sox Dominican Summer League and will likely stay there until he gets healthy and finish out that season. There may even play in Instruct League in the Dominican Summer League uh, after that league is over. But, you know, finding out which guys get invites to big league camp and which guys will get some at-bats against major league pitching, even just for a little bit at Glendale, will be a lot of fun to see over the next couple. And and even, too, the Arizona Fall League coming up when this season ends. You know, the White Sox have a number of guys who have been to the Fall League before. Eloy Jimenez was there uh, last season so was Mancata, if memory serves correctly. They've done trips because they've acquired so many top prospects from other organizations. Uh, these guys have been through the Fall League before, so finding out you know, who needs that challenge, who's ready for it, who, uh, which pitchers could stand to go and work on a couple of things, that'll be a lot of fun as well. It's a big part of prospect development. Uh, one more note here, this from Kannapolis. Jake Berger, the White Sox first pick in this last draft, 11th overall. Hitting 299, 370 on base, 449 slugging. He has an RBI single today for Kannapolis already. Uh, he has been just a blast to watch play. 107 at bats already for Jake Berger, who basically went to uh, went to a bit of a, a camp, the Arizona Institution um, for the White Sox. You know, right down there in Glendale, two three days I think. And then was shipped right out to Kannapolis and has done nothing but hit since getting there. By the way, he has struck out 12 times and walked eight times. It's always a guy who in college at Missouri State had walked more than he'd struck out. And to see that number as close as it is in his first test of pro ball, strikeouts low, 107 at-bats, 12 strikeouts, walks good, eight. Uh, it's, been, it's been fun to watch a lot of these young players uh, start to develop in the pros for the White Sox. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, wrap things up. Anything you want to cover, 312-591-8900. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. You've got WLS AM 890. Get on-demand access to the games you can attend with the White Sox Flex Pass. Purchase 10 lower-level tickets for 200 bucks, or 10 upper-level tickets for 70 bucks and have the flexibility to redeem tickets to an upcoming game right from your phone. For more information or to purchase your pass today, visit whitesox.com slash flexpass. And who knows, maybe you're at the ballpark, you see Ed and DJ walking around, they'll invite you into the booth to hang out and watch a game with them. Maybe, I don't know, it's possible. They're nice guys, they love company, 
it's entirely possible that they'll have you in their booth to watch a White Sox game. Wouldn't necessarily bet on it, but it's possible that that would happen. Uh, real quick, before we say goodbye here, uh, just a little piece of news that we'll cover again in the pregame show, and I, I didn't want you to miss in case you're driving into the ballpark today. Uh, Matt Davidson, it sounds like, is going to be slowed down some from his rehab work. He took some cuts today, didn't, wasn't quite feeling it. The wrist still bugging him some. So the White Sox are going to scale back his baseball activity, so to speak, and wait a little bit. He had been hoping to get back into the mix, perhaps that first game against the Dodgers. That'll be next Tuesday when the White Sox head out to L.A. to face the Dodgers. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a little while after that. White Sox uh, manager Ricky Renneria mentioned that they're going to dial back some of the activity until the pain is gone and subside some. They don't want him to have to fight through anything at this point in the season. His first full go in the big leagues. And with a doubleheader on the 21st against Minnesota, you get the 26th man. So, you know, a couple just making sure that, and Matt mentioned this yesterday too, uh, about going on the disabled list in the first place. Uh, maybe it wasn't yesterday, might have been Tuesday, uh, sorry. That, that just with the, the long games that they've been playing, just want to make sure that everybody's safe and the White Sox have everybody they need to, uh, to get a game and be competitive. You can come together for Beatles Night at Guaranteed Rate Field on Monday, August 21st. The Sox take on the Minnesota Twins. Purchase this ticket package to receive a game ticket and commemorative Beatles White Sox hat. Visit whitesox.com slash Beatles to get yours today. Music means we've got to go. So thanks so much to Dave Zaslowski and Don Kleppen for helping us get on the air today. Also, thanks to Nikki Delmonico for being a part of the show and Don Cooper, too. If you missed any of it and want to download it, go to uh, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. You can find all the podcasts right there on the website. And a lot of you guys have been downloading the podcast lately, and we really appreciate it. That's really nice of you. And uh, we're glad that we can help keep you informed on this White Sox ball club. Stay right here. Pre-game show coming up in just a few. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLSAM 890.